we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like for you to go with me to the Word of God in the New Testament and find, if you would, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and as we have been studying this book of 1 Corinthians for some time, uh, we come here at this season of the year when we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, every Lord's Day, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and uh, we rejoice in all of his goodness and his mercies to us. As we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul has addressed many issues in the church, uh, the carnal divisions and strifes among them, the misuse of the spiritual gifts uh, that they use for their own uh, self-promotion and their own benefit. And Paul has reminded them and instructed them that the spiritual gifts are for the edification of the body. And we looked in chapter 14, and we noted that the Apostle Paul speaks of the gift of prophecy, the gift of preaching, teaching the Word of God, and that that is a priority over what they had prioritized, which was the gift of tongues, speaking in an unknown language. And we looked at the contrast of what they were doing and what they were practicing uh, versus what happened in Acts 2 when uh, the believers were filled with the Spirit and they spoke in known languages, different languages to them, languages that they did not know before, but nevertheless they were intelligent languages that the hearers of that in that audience could understand, as they said, the wonderful works of God in their own language. Now Paul is moving past that to address error in teaching and doctrine, and it is a significant error. It is the error of the doctrine of the resurrection, and we'll note it here in our reading, but let's begin reading in verse number one. We'll read through verse 19. We won't cover all of those verses this evening. I hope that we can cover verses one through 11. Let's read together, beginning in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present. But some are fallen asleep. After that he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. And last of all, he was seen of me also, as of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not meet to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, 
and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach, and so ye believed. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain, yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. The error that had come into the church is given to us in verse 12. How say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? There were those who were professing to be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who were among them who were involved in the church, present in the meetings, perhaps perhaps even sought to exercise uh, what they would have imagined to be a spiritual gift, but they had no spiritual life. They were like tares among the wheat. And this is what they taught, that there was no resurrection of the dead, that once you died, then that was it. You ceased to exist. This is what the Sadducees taught as well. And Paul gives the practical implications of such teaching. In verse 13, if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? In other words, to deny the resurrection of the dead is to deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, and if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. In other words, what's the point? If Jesus Christ is not risen, then why are we even bothering to meet? Why, why would we even uh, read and study the Word of God? Because uh, the foundational truth that Christianity lies upon is the fact that Jesus arose from the dead. And if he's not risen, then our faith is vain. He says in verse 15, we are found false witnesses of God. In other words, we're liars. If Christ is not risen, we've lied to you. In verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is, Christ, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. So again, back to that question, why are we even here? Ye are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. All of those who knew the Lord Jesus as their Savior or professed to know him uh, would have died and have perished, according to Paul, if Christ is not risen. And so he sums it up this way in verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no hope if Jesus is not a risen Savior. So 
there's a problem. And in chapter 15, Paul defends and explains the significance of the doctrine of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. A sure sign of man's rebellion against God is that man always places the burden of proof on God. Have you noticed that? I won't believe unless you can prove it to me. I don't know if anybody's ever said that to the devil. Nobody asked him in the garden to prove to them that what he was saying was true. You see, we, we take the word of men over the word of God. We've been doing that in our society in recent years at an accelerated rate. But we place the burden of proof upon God. And the reason that men do that is because they live in a condition of rebellion against him. And so Paul here gives us four proofs that we're going to look at tonight, four proofs of the resurrection. And the title of this message this evening, if you're taking notes, is The Proofs of the Resurrection. The Proofs of the Resurrection. He is going to argue uh, with precision and conclusive power uh, concerning the truth of the doctrine of the resurrection. Now, we begin uh, in verse number 1. We'll look at verses 1 and 2 with this thought in mind, the proof of the worshipers. The proof of the worshipers. Let's look at it in verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. So Paul begins with the believers at Corinth. He begins with them. And he begins with what Christ has done in their lives. The change that he had made. You see, Christianity is not a dead religion. Christianity is a message of hope and life. Our Savior is a risen Savior, and he gives life to all who will believe. I am the resurrection, he said, and the, li and the life. And he said, though a man were dead, yet shall he live. And these Corinthians who had been dead in their trespasses and sins had been brought to life by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the power of the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, had given them spiritual life. And that life was communicated to them as they heard the message of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. Good news. Condemned dead people can have eternal life through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, when you think about the resurrection of the dead and you think about the truth of Christ's resurrection, one of the evidences of it are you yourselves, what Christ has done in you. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So he said, examine your own lives. The proof of the worshipers. Now notice what he says to them. He says, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you. 
They heard the message of the gospel. And notice how they responded. He said, which also ye have received. They heard the message and they received the message of the gospel. What is the message of the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for dying men. He made the payment of their sin. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And if they would believe upon him and receive him as Savior, to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. He gave them everlasting life. So these Corinthian believers, the true believers in the Corinthian church, had received the message of the gospel. Have you received the message of the gospel? Has it made a difference in your life? Do you have a hope that's steadfast and sure? Do you have a home in heaven? Do you desire to honor God? It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, if that desire is not in you, that may be evidence, and is evidence, that you don't know God. But when you receive him, he saves you, he changes you, he makes you a new creature. They received the gospel. And then he says, they stood in the gospel. They remained in it. They stood in it. They were granted access to God through their response to the gospel. They did not drift from it. They remained. That's important because what we're going to find out is there are others who did not remain. And so they received the gospel. They stood in the gospel. And then they were saved in the gospel. They were saved, saved from the power of sin and saved from the penalty of sin. They were saved. So the proof of the worshipers. But there were those in the church who denied the resurrection. And as Paul says and reveals to them, those who deny the resurrection not only deny that there is life after the grave for all of us, but deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus himself. Now, we understand that if you're going to be a true believer, you must believe in the resurrection. Why don't you go with me to Romans chapter 10? I think this is important to note. Romans chapter number 10. In verse number 9, the Apostle Paul, in this passage that is used so often to point people to Jesus, explains how a person is saved. And he says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath, notice these words, raised him from the dead. You cannot be a true believer and deny the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you confess him with your mouth, you believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when a, when a lost person hears the message of the gospel, and they respond in faith to the gospel, they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They, they must believe that Jesus, as the Son of God, made the payment for their sin. They must therefore believe that he arose from the dead. 
and they must confess him with their mouth. So it begins in the heart, a heart of belief, and confession of the tongue, confession of the mouth. This is why we encourage people to call on the name of the Lord in prayer. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when we are speaking to people who want to be saved, who are not saved, then we we encourage them to pray and ask the Lord Jesus Christ to receive, or, or, or they receive Christ through their prayer. They ask the Lord Jesus Christ to save them from their sin. They confess with their mouth what they believe in their heart. So we understand that those who deny the resurrection were not true believers. That's why Paul says this in the, in the closing part of verse 2, unless ye have believed in vain. What is he talking about? He's talking about those people who had denied the resurrection, and he's saying that they are not true believers. They're not true believers. So in that case, in the case that they deny the resurrection, then we find out that they're not authentic. They're like tares among the wheat. John says it this way in 1 John 2 and verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. In other words, they looked the part, they acted the part, they, they spoke the part, but they did not truly believe. They were like the tares among the wheat. And it's very difficult at times to discern the tares. But the Lord knows. And a great sign, a sign that reveals to us the tares, are the false teachings that have crept into the church. And so he says, the first proof is the proof of the worshipers. Secondly, you have the proof of the word. The proof of the word. Look at verse 3 and verse 4. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, note these words, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. When Jesus died on the cross, although it surprised the disciples, although Peter rebuked the Lord for saying that he would be betrayed and crucified, when Jesus died on the cross, he died according to the Scriptures. They missed it, didn't they? They missed it. Those who followed him, as I mentioned this morning, who wanted the bread and the fish, they missed what was in the Scriptures concerning the Messiah. He came to give them eternal life. So he died for our sins according to the Scriptures. It was there all along. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So if you want proof of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to look any further than the Scriptures. He died according to the Scriptures. Now turn with me to Psalm 22. Psalm 22. What do I want to try to do this evening? Well, with the help of God, to strengthen your faith in the Word of God and in the doctrine of the resurrection. You see, we find that 
Jesus died according to the scripture. So many claim that Jesus died a failure. And Jesus did not die a failure. Jesus died a conqueror. It is finished, he said. I have completed the task that was given to me. And what was the task? The task was to pay for our sin. Psalm 22 and verse 1. Long before the Lord Jesus was born, David penned these words. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee, they trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee and were delivered. They trusted in thee and were not confounded. Now notice these words in verse 6. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. Here we begin to see the psalmist detailing the sufferings of Christ on the cross. Verse 7, all they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head saying, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Well, those who reviled Christ at the cross said these very words, did they not? Verse 9, but thou art he that took me out of the womb. This is the Lord speaking. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breasts. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of the bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death, for dogs have compassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell, or in other words, I, I can see all of my bones. I can count them. I may tell all my bones. His body was riven from the beating that he took from the, uh, from the cat of nine tails when they scourged him. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Here you have a detailed account of the suffering of the cross of Christ more than a thousand years before he ever encountered that suffering. You see, the testimony of the Scriptures. He died according to the Scriptures, Psalm 69 and verse 20. Reproach hath broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness, and I look for some to take pity, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. Verse 21, they gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Here we have an exact uh, uh, prophecy with exactness concerning the sufferings of Christ on the cross. Isaiah 53, who hath believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Verse 3, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. Verse 4, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. 
Verse 7, or rather verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. And by his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. He shall bear their iniquities. You see, we have in Isaiah 53 a wonderful prophetic picture of the work of Christ on the cross. You see, he died according to to the scriptures. It was no surprise. But then he was buried according to the scriptures. I read it to you in Isaiah 53 and verse 9. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man. He had a tomb that he offered to Jesus. He also took a very costly amount of anointing oils to anoint the, the body of Christ for the burial. So Christ died according to the Scriptures. Christ was buried according to the Scriptures. And then, praise be unto God, Christ rose again according to the Scriptures. Matthew twelve forty, Jesus said, For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. You see, this was all according to the Scriptures. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what proof do we have? We have the proof of the worshipers in Corinth, those who truly believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the difference that he made in their lives, bringing them out of darkness into light, cleansing them of their sin, and giving them a home in heaven. And then we have the proof of the Word the scriptures which testify of his death, burial, and resurrection. Then thirdly, we have this, the proof of the witnesses. The proof of the witnesses. And Paul lists for us the witnesses. Verse 5, that he was seen of Cephas. That's Peter. Peter saw him in his resurrected state. And then in verse 6, the Bible says after that he was seen or excuse me, verse 5 still, he was seen of Cephas, then of the 12. So he was seen first by the women, we understand that, but the first of the disciples to see him, the apostles, was Peter. Then later on, he appeared to the 12. Now remember, he, appeared, he tried to appear to them, or he went to appear to them, but Thomas wasn't there. And uh, later on, they told Thomas that he had come. And Thomas said, well, I, I won't believe it uh, unless I, I can touch him. 
And uh, so in John chapter 20 and verse 26, the Bible says, And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. So now here are the twelve. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. So the twelve see him. Peter saw him, the twelve saw him. Then notice what he says in verse 6. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. In other words, more than 500 of the brethren saw him at one time. Now, in Matthew 28, we have the record of Jesus appearing to his disciples uh, in Galilee in a mountain that he had appointed. Matthew 28, verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them, and when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And so here we find that Jesus appeared to the twelve, the disciples that remained, obviously, after Judas had died and betrayed him, and to five hundred. Then the Bible tells us that he appeared to James. This is his brother James. And then to all of the apostles, a greater company. Now, in Matthew 27, we have this record, Matthew 27 and uh, verse 52. If you don't have time to turn there, at least make time to write these references down because I think they'll help you. The proof of the witnesses, Matthew 27, verse 52, uh, at the resurrection of Christ, the Bible tells us, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Now, if we go out the, the, the back part of the building here and uh, we go past um, the education building and we go uh, on beyond the soccer field and through the woods, we're going to come to a graveyard. I want you to imagine that that graveyard, uh, we, we drove by it and we saw that the graves were open. And the people that were in those graves were up walking around. Now, some of you have loved ones in, in that cemetery. You would not want to miss that, would you? You would never forget that, would you? In fact, nobody who ever saw such a thing would forget that. Jesus, on his resurrection, said that the graves were open and the bodies of the saints arose. I can go to a graveyard uh, where I grew up, and uh, I, I can see because my grandparents are buried there, my great-grandparents are buried there, my father is buried there, and I can just imagine those graves breaking up and the saints, those who knew God, coming out of those graves. That would always be talked about and never be forgotten. And there were people who saw it. There were 500 witnesses who heard him speak. And there is no evidence or any argument that has been given to us throughout history to say this didn't happen. Nothing. Just conjecture. 
and a scheme. In Matthew 28, verse 12. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, this is the, the, the Jewish leaders, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. In other words, they said to the guards, Here's what we want you to do. We want you to explain away his resurrection by saying, While you were asleep, the disciples came and stole his body. Verse 14. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade you and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. Now notice this in, in, in verse uh, 15. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So here, here's, here's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying there are 500 people who heard him speak, who saw him. There are the disciples who handled him and touched him. And he said some of those are asleep, meaning they had died, but many of them are alive, and you know many of them, or you can talk to many of them if you wish to talk to many of them. But I'm here to tell you there are a number of proofs that conclude emphatically, in fact, they are infallible proofs, undeniable proofs, indisputable proofs that Jesus has risen from the dead. Proofs of the witnesses. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Well, there's a fourth proof. It's the proof of the writer. The proof of the writer. Notice in verse 8. And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Now, I'd like for you to go with me to the book of Acts. Would you turn there? We're about to conclude Acts chapter number 9 and verse number 1. Paul said, last of all, he was seen of me also as of one born out of due time. He says in verse 9, For I am least of the apostles that am not meet to be called an apostle. I am not worthy. I am not fitting to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Then he says in verse 10, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. Therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preached, and so you believed. Now, let's see the proof of the writer. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, 
hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. You see, Paul met Jesus. It was Jesus who stopped Paul in his tracks. It was Jesus who spoke to Paul. Why are you persecuting me? And Paul immediately knew who it was. Lord, he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In other words, the Lord had been convicting Saul. The Lord had been dealing with Saul. And now the Lord is revealing himself emphatically to Saul, and he is saving him and delivering him. One who once persecuted the church is now preaching the gospel. And Paul says in verse 11, Therefore, whether it were I or they, some other preacher, some other apostle, so we preach and so ye believed. So now that you've believed, don't doubt. Don't listen to the doubters and the naysayers. You see, we live in a world that is filled with doubters and naysayers. There are people who believe it is virtuous to debate whether the Bible is the Word of God, to debate the doctrines of Scriptures. I just say, let's believe what the Bible says. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. It's no virtue for me to cast doubt on the Scriptures. It's no virtue for me to try uh, to, to, to lead people into false doctrine. There is virtue in belief, virtue in embracing the truth of God's Word, remaining in our convictions concerning these doctrines of the Word of God. Certainly, there are areas that are, are open to debate and disagreement. I'm speaking, however, of the cardinal doctrines of our faith. And may, may God help us to hold true to them. They are under assault and they are under attack. And we need to be equipped as the Bereans to search the Scriptures to see if these things are true. And I'm glad to report to you tonight that Jesus is a risen Savior. And because he has risen, those who believe on him will one day be with him. In fact, those who have already perished and died, uh, perishing meaning they've died physically, but they've died in faith, they haven't perished in their soul. Those who uh, have died in faith are with the Lord Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a glorious truth. And may God help us. The proofs of the resurrection. We serve a risen Savior. Let's give him thanks. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.